Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast, featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Polova. Our guest today is award-winning author Deborah Reed, aka Da Reed, from West Michigan. She writes young adult novels from page-turning thrillers to stories based on challenges that children and adults face every day. Darid is the recipient of the Moonbeam Children's Book Awards and the Best Indie Book Award for Young Adult Drama. Reed has also traveled internationally to lead children's writing workshops in the United Arab Emirates. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. First, I would like to know what attracted you to these difficult subjects, teen depression and suicide, and teen homelessness. Uh, as I began writing young adult novels, uh, I was trying to touch on subjects that um, I think a lot of youth struggle with today, and adults do as well. And my main goal had been to try to help as much as I can to kind of provide a lesson or some guidance in my novels um, to help people just navigate through life and through some of these situations that they find themselves in. Um, the teen homeless subject came up when I was talking with some friends and uh, I had not realized that it was such a big problem. And I was actually kind of ashamed that I didn't realize that it was such a big problem. And the more I researched it, the more I realized that yes, this needs, awareness needs to be brought to this subject and to this problem. And uh, not only for people to understand that this is happening, but also to understand for youth and other people who find themselves homeless or in that type of situation to understand how important it is to ask for help if they find themselves in that position. Um, when I was looking for another subject uh, to write about, I had several people approach me about depression and suicide. Um, and I honestly, I refused at first to write the book. <laughs> um, I was quite honestly more scared that I would do something wrong, that I would turn someone down a wrong path or, um, hinder more than I would help with the things that I was saying. But the more that I talked with people, the more I realized that people I cared about and knew for years had been struggling with this and I didn't know it. I realized that again, this is something that we need to bring awareness to. And so I kind of fucked up, so to speak, <laughs> and said, yep, I'm, <laughs> this is what's, what I'm going to write about. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to trust uh, the people who are around me to help guide me to make sure that it says what it needs to say. And um, I'm, I really hope that it helps the people who read it. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about your newest release first, all the things we didn't see. The theme of the book, depression and teen suicide, hits close to home for both teenagers and adults. And it's not just limited to the pandemic by any means. So we've already kind of touched on what inspired you. So what resources did you use? Uh, I touched base with a school counselor um, who works, my husband is a teacher. And so uh, she was willing to work with me 
uh, on that as well and on uh, just talking with me about some of the things that kids experience and some of the ways that she has found um, can help kids. I had touched base with a few people in like mental health organizations uh, who have worked with people um, who struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts. Uh, I also spoke with uh, people who actually struggle with it themselves. Um, I did have some people who were willing to open up to me and to trust me with their stories, um, which I, I feel very honored that they did and I'm very thankful that they did um, because I think it did lend a lot of authenticity to the story and to the book. Um, and I think it's very important that uh, we realize how much this is affecting people. Um, and I also read a blog by a woman who lost her daughter to suicide. And she began a blog to tell her daughter's story and to help show that there is always hope. That is the main message of the blog. Um, but it really struck me hard when she used entries from her daughter's own diary as she drew closer to the time when she took her own life. And just to know, to, to feel that pain that she was feeling and to realize that there was hope for her, but she didn't believe that. It truly made me want to make others realize, no, there is hope. There is someone who's willing to help you. Okay. So let's talk about your characters, sisters Izzy and Astrid. Who did you model them after? What are they like in the book? Uh, Izzy is more kind of more of a tomboy. She swims on the swim team at school. Um, she really doesn't care that much about her looks. Uh, her sister was kind of the opposite. Astrid was um, very popular. She was captain of the track team. Um, she beat what I believe she was prom queen or homecoming queen uh, at some point. Um, so they were very, very different. And that had caused some um, kind of like a rift in their relationship. They, they, they were so close, but probably not quite as close as some other sisters could have been. Uh, but they did love each other. And Izzy was positive that her sister had taken her own life, even though everyone, um, family, friends included, uh, believed that she, it was just an accident, that what had happened was just an accident. And then Izzy finds Astrid's diary that Astrid had hidden away. And um, it proves that what Izzy had suspected was true. But then she also came against a lot of resistance from family and friends when she tried to show them the truth. And she had to learn how to navigate through that and to decide whether or not pushing through and revealing the truth um, was the right thing to do. Did she also attempt to commit su a suicide? Um, Izzy did not. No, but she does no. have no. But she does have someone um, close to her who she realizes uh, might attempt okay. to yeah take their their life. And so she's she's not only dealing with the realization that she was right about her sister taking her own mm -hmm. life but someone, she might lose someone else close to her as well to the same, to the same struggles. So what was the biggest challenge in writing this book? 
making sure I was very, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, ex to explain because it was just so difficult for me to try to write it in a way that was not so intense that people wouldn't want to read it, if that makes sense. Oh, because yes, it does. Yes. Yeah, so the, it's a young adult novel. And if things are too intense, no one is going to want to read it. So I had to find that balance of uh, keeping that truth there and making sure I stated that truth correctly. Because again, that was one of the struggles of why I didn't write the book at first. Um, but then to be able to inject some humor, to inject um, still like some of the facets of true life that are still good and kind and wonderful during the book as well. And so it was finding that balance and making sure that everything was written well in a way that could truly help people see. So what did you find humorous in these basically tragic stories? Um, a lot of it was interactions with friends. Yeah. Uh, there was a character who I had not planned on meeting in the book at all. And all of a sudden I'm writing the first scene and whoop, there she was. <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I love those characters. They just pop out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And she just has a very strong personality. And so she just kind of injects a lot of um, just sarcastic humor and, and things like that. She's also very protective of her friends. So she will go after anyone who, you know, is giving her friends a hard time. And so just a lot of those types of interactions and things that happen, I was able to inject some of that humor to kind of provide some of the lighter moments, um, even though all of this other stuff that's heavier and more intense was going on. So what have you learned about yourself from writing this book? Uh, part of it is that I need to pay more attention to what's going on around me. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. I agree. We all need to pay more attention, be more aware. Yes. Because um, this is twice now that I have written about something uh, that I just did not realize was as big of a problem as it really is. And um, it just kind of shows me that I, I'm not opening my eyes as much as I should to what's happening around me and, I, and to the people around me and what people might be um, experiencing. And it, it was even true where at one point I looked at a friend and she was smiling, like we were, we were on a video chat and she was smiling and, and talking and acting normally. And we were with another friend as well. And, we hung up and I messaged her and I said, your smile didn't reach your eyes. Are you okay? And just trying to, you know, put those pieces together and come to find out she'd been struggling for a couple of weeks. And so it's like, yeah, just kind of watching for those small things that might clue you in that, that there's something happening in a loved one's life or in someone else's life that you might know um, that might not, that might be causing them to struggle a little bit. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre? I, well, that is a very good question. No one has asked me to have before. Um, well, one for one with young adult, I think 
a lot of the focus is on more fantasy and this is definitely realistic fiction. Um, I think a lot of realistic fiction also tends to just be more entertainment type stories, just things that would engage a reader's mind or that kids would think would be interesting. Um, and I truly do try to find things that kids are struggling with that they might need help with, that they might need a little bit of guidance with. And I try to make sure that my stories are very much entertaining, um, but I try to make sure that there is a message or some guidance in there for them as well, uh, which I think there are some books that don't, there are definitely a lot that do, but I think that does kind of set me apart a little bit because I do make sure that each one of my books has something like that in it. And what are the major takeaways from your book? That we do need as a society to find a way to eradicate the stigma about mental illness. Uh, too often it's deemed okay to talk about our physical problems, but if there's something wrong mentally um, in any way, all of a sudden it's not okay or people are termed weird or um, people shy away from that person um, or that there's something wrong with them. And that's not the case at all. And I think because of that stigma, a lot of people are afraid to come forward and ask for help. And so as a society, we really need to take that step to eradicate that stigma about mental illness And I just really want people who do struggle with these issues to really understand that there is hope. And even if it doesn't seem like there are any people out there who care, there is always someone who cares and who will listen. And that's what I really want people to know. What's the worst and the best advice you have ever received in the entire, throughout the publishing process and post-publishing and after publishing? Uh, just about writing in general? Yeah, uh, writing. I think probably some of the best advice I ever had was just remembering that my story is my story. Uh, when I wrote my first young adult novel, I had experienced writers um, I think three of them like me say, oh, I would have ended it here. And then the other one said, no, I would have ended it here. And then another one said, no, I would have ended it here. And I said, no, none of you are getting the point. <laughs> I said, if I end it in any of those places, it's not giving that feel that I need at the end of the book. And whereas, yes, constructive criticism is great. And there are times when we do need to listen to that. But if it's going to change the objective of what you're trying to accomplish with your story, then it might be okay to just disregard it because it is your story. And that's, I think, what a lot of people need to realize and need to understand. Um, the worst advice, um, I think it would probably, Uh, well, that's a tough one because I've had a few different pieces, but some of it is when people just say, no, you need to plan either, I've gotten both, plan out your entire novel before you start writing, which I cannot do. I mentally just cannot do that. I sat in front of a computer 
for two and a half hours one day trying to plan out a novel before I started writing it. And I literally came up with nothing. (laughs) I just had to start writing and let the story come. Um, But then I've also had people say, oh, well, just word vomit on the page. And then because you can always edit it later. And I'm like, well, I can't do that either. I have two young kids and I have other things in my life that need attention. And I can't rewrite my book five times (laughs) because I just... No one can. That's way too many times, five times. Yes. So um, I just, I kind of try to find a happy medium with both. I do plan out certain things that I know are going to happen in my books, but then I let the story and the characters kind of take over as well. And there are times when I might feel like I have some writer's block and I just sit down and I push through and I make sure I write something that day. And I might change it later or I might go back and look at it and say, you know what, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I can keep this and just change this a little bit. But I do try to make sure that I know before I sit down kind of what I am going to write about and how it's going to sound and really get back into my character's mindset and into their voice so that when I sit down and write, it's not something that just has to be all rewritten later. And do you write every day? I do. I have a self-imposed 500 word minimum. (laughs) Um, Wow, self-imposed. Self-imposed. But I do, my kids get up at about seven o'clock every morning uh, to get ready for school. They're still in elementary school. So they go to school a little bit later. And um, so I get up early and I write for an hour. I make sure I get my 500 words in and that way, If I get more done during that time, or if I even get maybe just the 500 words done, but I find more time later in the day, then I continue writing then. But if for some reason life gets away from me, I can just let it go and realize, no, I did, I did my minimum and I did some writing today and that's okay. And it's okay if I do this other thing that has to be taken care of over here in my life. Excellent. Let's talk about your giveaway book, Nothing But Gutters and Pocket Change. I love the title. How did you come up with the title? You know, I honestly don't remember exactly. I I think I was just kind of searching other titles of young adult novels and um, even just like homelessness in general. And I just kind of started piecing different words together. And I was like, yeah, gutters and pocket change. Sometimes that's where these some people find themselves, um, literally sleeping in a gutter, which is what kind of happens with a character in this novel, um, with literally nothing but change in their pocket. And so it just kind of helps people understand this. Yep, this is a, a real thing where sometimes, yep, it's that's all you've got, gutters and pocket change. An audiobook narrator, Tom Parks, wrote about this book, Blend, read, Blending Tragedy and a Triumphant Spirit. Read crafts a story of a real-life pain we want to ignore and wraps it in the hopeful optimism that is a hallmark of her work. Where do you find that hopeful optimism? <laughs> I think there is always hope and optimism in everything. No matter how 
dire our circumstances seem or how, um, no matter what we might be struggling with, there is always a silver lining. And, and I say this and it sounds very trite and it sounds very um, cliche. I have had to struggle to do that myself <laughs> many, many times. Um, and I, but looking for that, especially having children of my own and having to raise them. And when they come to me with those feelings of being overwhelmed and of being upset about something, and I'm looking constantly for that silver lining to kind of help pull them back from that and say, no, look, look at this over here. Yeah, this may be hard and this may be happening, but look at this over here and see that silver lining over here. And, and I think I just try to do that with my books as well, where you do find that hope in there somewhere and it may be hard to find, but once you find it, you hold on to it and then you can help it um, transform the rest of your life. And what inspired this book about teenage homelessness? Any specific moment that offset this or? Um, I heard a couple of friends who, and I may have said this already, who are just having a conversation about teenage homelessness. Okay. And one of them actually just looked over at me and said, hey, Deborah, you, this should be the subject of your next book. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, that's not a thing. And they said, oh, yes, it is. And I would say, yes, it is. <laughs> and so I, I did, I began researching it. And I said, okay, is this really a thing? I was shocked at how much of an issue this is in every community. It doesn't matter if it's a poorer community or a richer community. There are so many different reasons why children are finding themselves without a home. And some of them are reasons that we just might not even think about whether, I mean, sometimes we might think it's because of drugs. Sometimes we might think um, it's because of violence, but there are many, many different reasons why uh, kids might sometimes just find themselves suddenly without a home or without the protection of their parents um, or any other adult who can help care for them. Um, and it just broke my heart that these kids have to go through this. And so I, I, I wanted the book to not only bring awareness to this issue, but also to bring awareness to the kids themselves that if you find yourself in this situation, ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. And you need to do that because it's not something that you should have to struggle through on your own. So again, what resources did you use for this book? I looked at a lot of um, online resources for teenage homelessness. Uh, and I also spoke again with some school counselors and also some teachers who have actually dealt with these situations with some of their students um, directly. Uh, and it was just, it was very eye-opening and I appreciate the fact that they were willing to open up to me about it, obviously not naming any names, but they were very careful uh, to keep uh, the individual's privacy um, intact. But um, just to know that these situations are actually occurring out there was very heartbreaking. And what was the biggest challenge in writing this one? I think it was because I really stretched myself with the characters and putting them in positions that I never had to experience myself. 
I grew up in a very loving home. Um, some could even say it was sheltered. Um, there were a lot of things that I didn't have to experience um, or even really be aware of. And when I started writing this book, my husband being a teacher, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to put this situation in here. Is this going too far? Is this unrealistic? And he said, no, you have no idea what these kids deal with. That is just the tip of the iceberg, what you're talking about. You could go five steps past that and it would still be realistic. And it, that was just eye-opening in itself. And so I think it was just really putting, um, like I said, my characters in situations that are just tragic and, and just heart-wrenching and that I've just never had to deal with it myself. And it was really hard for me to write those because just knowing that kids are actually dealing with that type of thing is very hard to, to just realize and to take in. So what age range are your books for? For kids from? Yep. Uh, and that's a good question. I would say the first two I wrote, Daisies in the Rain and Dancing with Shadows, um, would both be appropriate for kids 10 and up. Um, the last two especially, um, Nothing But Gutters and Pocket Change and All the Things We Didn't See, um, knowing just the, the issues that are dealt with, um, with that, I would probably say 13 to 14 and up. And, uh, and if a parent thinks that a, one of their younger children needs to read it, they obviously I would just say, you know, look through it yourself before giving it to your child, um, just to make sure that you it's appropriate and that your child can handle it. Um, but I would say yeah, about middle school, about that age, 13 to 14 and up for the last couple. And these two books are good also for educators as a resource for educators. Would you recommend these to educators? Yes, definitely. Um, in fact, I have had several teachers approach me. Um, I've been asked to speak at educator conferences. Um, I have had teachers buy entire sets of all six of my young adult novels. Um, because they do think that they are good resources for uh, their classrooms, for the kids to be able to read these and to have these messages and these lessons available to them. And I would say, especially the last two, yes, any educator and even any parent, I think it would be good, a good resource for everyone in that field. Yeah. All right. Deborah, would you like to read? from your books with the beautiful title book, Nothing But Gutters and Pocket Chain. Yes, I would. So this book follows um, two teenagers, two high schoolers. Um, one is named Summer. The other one is named Midas. And I'm just gonna read a little part of an excerpt with Midas. And this is actually when um, he becomes homeless. This is kind of like the catalyst for that situation for him. Dad's truck was running in the driveway, exhaust floating on the cold air and into the gathering dusk. No one was inside, so I barreled through the side door and into the kitchen, then stopped cold. Midas. 
Mom spoke the word vacantly, her coat clutched to her chest. She looked vaguely surprised to see me. I was impressed she could feel anything at all. She was obviously high as a kite, but I knew that was how dad liked her, liked both of us. Easier to control when our inhibitions are down. He didn't think I knew, but I did. Well, look who decided to show up. I turned, watched as my father came out of the master bedroom carrying another suitcase in his coat. I tried to feel some emotion, anything, but I just felt numb. My father glared at his wife. I should beat you to within an inch of your life for this. We don't need his whining right now. But I wasn't whining. I couldn't seem to push any words past the tightness closing my throat. Take all this, oh, excuse me, take all this to the truck, Myra, now. Her gaze directed at the floor, mom picked up a suitcase in each hand and headed for the door. I finally got one word past my locked throat. Mom? But she ignored me, shuffling toward the door as if I had never spoken, as if I didn't exist. I shifted my eyes back toward my father. We're leaving. An eviction notice was served. We've lost the house. My father glared as mom shuffled back in to grab more bags. Thanks to your mother's shoddy bookkeeping. More like your need to buy drugs every day. The words were out before I could stop them. The numbness was wearing off and fear mingled with anger in my chest. I knew it was my father's fault, not my mother's. Everything was my father's fault. Why couldn't dad have taken off, left us on our own like so many other men did to their families? We would have been so much better off. My father's hand connected hard with my jaw, snapping my head to the side as pain exploded in my head. I stumbled, one hand lifting toward my face, then hovering in the air as I refused to allow weakness to show in front of my father. You need to learn some respect, boy. My mom was back, her face as vacant as before despite the red handprint now decorating my face. I looked at her, willing my mother to meet my gaze, feeling hatred build in my chest for the woman who refused to do anything but cower and wallow at the feet of the man who abused us both. So where are we going? I kept my gaze on my mother, my hand dropping fully back to my side. My jaw felt like it was on fire. A smirk crossed my father's face. Your mother and I were going to her sister's place in Pennsylvania. Silence fell, my father looking expectantly at me. I stared back, the words circling my brain, refusing to take hold. Then they did. What about me? My gaze flicked between my parents, willing my mother to look up, to do something. What am I supposed to do? Time for you to figure that out, son. You're almost 18. Far as I'm concerned, we're not responsible for you anymore. My father shifted his grip on his jacket and headed for the door, a parting shot delivered over his shoulder. Time for you to learn how to be a man. I stared in disbelief as my father strode out the door, my mother following behind, head bent, refusing to look at me. Thank you, very nice. Could you please give us the details of your book giveaway? Yes, um, I am going to be giving away a signed copy of Nothing But Gutters in Pocket Change. And all you have to do is just contact me through my website. My website is dareadauthor.com. And there's a contact button up there. And it might say something about joining my newsletter, which you don't have to do. If you just click the contact button and just write um, podcast giveaway or for the love of books giveaway, um, the first person who I receive that 
contact for or that um, email from will win a copy of Nothing But Gutters and Pocket Change. And I will get your uh, mailing address from you and I will make sure I get that sent out within the next couple of days. Thank you. Before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Colleen Nye. Deborah, give us your parting shots. I just really love writing. I love being able to create these stories for people like you. I enjoy being able to um, use my talents in a way that can hopefully help you or other people who you care about and who you love. And so I just thank you for this opportunity to talk with you. I thank you for listening. And I just hope that someday maybe I can meet some of you all in person. That, will, that day will come, I hope. Here are my parting shots. Buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Enter the National Novel Writing Month Challenge in November because you too can become a published author. Thanks for listening. <laughs>